working our heart in, in some way. Uh, but um, I tell you, folks, uh, uh, I, I look forward uh, to the return of Christ. Amen. And I look forward to making uh, heaven my permanent dwelling one of these days. And uh, so I praise the Lord for that. All right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We've kind of been dabbling in the book of 1 Peter for several Sunday nights. We've kind of jumped back and forth a little bit. Actually looked at this passage uh, this morning uh, during Sunday school. Uh, but uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, actually not for Sunday school. We looked at it uh, Friday night during discipleship class. But uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, and, uh, or 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, but uh, again, I want to look at tonight, um, again, the, the strength we have in knowing Christ will return. In other words, when we keep that in the forefront of our mind and in our hearts that Jesus is coming back someday, that's going to strengthen us. You know, I've mentioned before, sometimes that's all we got. You know, we've gone through a hard time. We're going through trials, tribulation, uh, and it's oftentimes that that uh, you know you you look at the circumstances going around you it's it's not very encouraging sometimes but we can look past that amen and know that one of these days Jesus is coming to rescue us and to take us home and certainly there's great encouragement in that so again we're looking at uh, the promise of Christ's return and again the strength we have in knowing uh, Christ will return and I hope that you're here tonight I, I hope that you're saved and if you are saved uh, I hope that you do understand that Jesus Christ is coming, amen, again. Uh, he came the first time. He's going to come the second time as well. Uh, and that should be a great encouragement to any of us uh, here tonight. So let's go ahead and stand if you're physically able in reverence to the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, begin with verse 3. Begin with verse 3. And actually, we did look at these verses uh, uh, this morning in Sunday school. So, but 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. And we learned last week, as we looked at this verse last Sunday night as well, uh, that that means a living hope. Amen. And, uh, of course, we're talking, uh, we're pointing here towards the return of Christ. So, again, unto a lively hope, and we understand that word hope isn't like, well, I hope that it happens. This is the guarantee uh, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen to that. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. Notice that word reserved in heaven for who? You. Amen. Amen. If you're saved tonight, that's for you. Notice, who are kept, that's us, if you're saved, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly, what? Rejoice, amen, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, uh, through manifold temptation, temptations. Finally, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. You notice what that said? That trial of your faith is more precious than gold. We don't often see it that way, but there it is, right? Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory. Notice, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And that's talking about His second coming. Father, we ask Your blessing upon the preaching of the Word of God tonight. Pray, Father, that You'll speak to our hearts in a mighty and powerful way. May each believer here tonight be encouraged 
by you and uh, through you. So, Father, help us. Pray if there's anyone that's not saved tonight, that tonight they would accept Christ as their Savior. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So, again, we're looking at the strength we have in knowing Christ will return. And uh, hopefully you have a Bible that tells you that Jesus Christ is coming again. Uh, if you don't have a Bible that says that, you need to get another Bible. Uh, but the Bible speaks of His first coming, and certainly that came to pass. Amen. We, we believe that happened. Uh, the Bible also said that He would die, uh, be hung on a cross, that He would be buried, and that He would rise again. And that, too, has come to pass. Amen. And uh, so everything God says will happen will happen. Uh, there's some things that God has said that will happen that haven't happened yet, but we know that they will. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ will return someday, and uh, so we have absolutely no reason to believe that He will not. Amen? And that's that, that hope, that lively hope that we read about. And so just as sure as He came the first time, He'll come the second time. And it's in this truth, though, that we find strength to live Christ-like lives even in this ungodly world that we have today. You know, and that's how we do it. Um, uh, certainly yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, but understanding that Jesus is coming back. And so tonight, I just really believe that God would have us to focus on some biblical truths as we await His second coming. And uh, so the first thing I want you to understand is, and, and we're, we're going to touch on some things that probably most of us, maybe all of us even believe tonight, but as we think about the second coming of Christ, it ought to remind us also of some great other truths and promises that God has. And uh, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in discipleship class on Friday nights looking at the doctrine of salvation and a lot of different aspects of that. And one thing that we have as Baptists, we believe in the assurance of salvation. Amen? Now, in other words, we believe that if you're a child of God tonight, that will never change. Amen? And that's, uh, that's encouraging. Um, again, now a lot of say, well, that's easy believism. Well, no, the Bible doesn't teach that at all. Certainly the Bible doesn't teach there's many ways to heaven. And the Bible certainly teaches that there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus the Christ, amen, and, and that He's the truth, the life, and the way. And no man cometh unto the Father, as He said, but by me, that is by Him. That is Jesus there in John 14, 6. But... You know, I, I, will, I will say this. Sometimes people say, well, that's easy believism. Uh, and I'll say, well, no, it's not. I said, but, but the offer is easy to accept. Amen. You know, it's by belief. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. Uh, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we know it's not God's not... Uh, uh, telling us that we have to become a certain way. We have to become this, this moral uh, uh, example before God will accept us into glory. He says, for whosoever, amen, shall call upon the name of the Lord. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, amen. And so, yeah, the offer is easy to accept. Uh, the way to Christ, no doubt, uh, hey, it is a narrow choice. He, it's the only one way. He's the only door. Yeah, it's a narrow choice, but it's not a hard choice, amen. And it's only the hardness of a person's heart that keeps them out of heaven. Uh, it's only the hardness of somebody's heart that is living their life as if Christ is not returning. But, but it's, it's an easy choice. Again, as Baptists, we believe salvation, praise God, is instantaneous. Amen. Uh, there may be some things that happen in our life that bring us to that point of decision. 
uh, and certainly when we become a Christian, in other words, when we get saved, uh, when it comes to becoming Christ-like, absolutely, that is a gradual work, amen? Paul said, I die daily. In other words, I, I'm growing in the Lord, and if you're saved, I hope you're growing in the Lord. You'll have your failures, your ups and downs, uh, but, uh, but you belong to God. And I might just ask you, was there a time in your life uh, that you were born again, as was uh, challenged to Nicodemus? Um, you say, well, yeah, I was raised as a Christian. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you if you was raised as a Christian. I'm asking you, have you been born again? You say, well, yeah, I was baptized. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm asking you if you've been born again. I was raised up in a Christian home. I, uh, 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 you know, all those things that, that we sometimes refer to. Uh, I live a good life. That's what I'm not asking you, amen. You might live a better life than me. That which wouldn't be hard to do. But, but my point is, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you if you've been born again. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ is coming back. And if you don't know, you need to get that settled. And unfortunately, there are some that believe you can be unborn. Now, as ridiculous as it sounds, uh, we need to look at it this way. Can I be unborn from God? No more than you can be unborn from your mother tonight. That, yeah, that ain't going to happen, is it? You can't say, well, Mom, I'd... never mind, Mom, unborn me. But I'll say this, you have a better chance being unborn by your mom than you'll ever be have, uh, being unborn by God. Amen. So that settles that, right? God saves us, and God, it, God saves us, and it's also God that keeps us. Amen. Read there in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we're not saved by works, so therefore we cannot be kept by works. That makes sense, doesn't it? You know, Paul would ask the, oh, foolish Galatians. Who's, in other words, why do you step out on faith to get saved and then think you have to do things to keep being saved? That just doesn't make sense, but a lot of people do that. We're kept by God. Jesus himself said that no one can pluck them out of his hand. But we notice there, verse 5, Again, we see it, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. In other words, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, you are from that point on kept by the power of God, ready to be revealed in the last <clears throat> time. Again, pointing toward the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's so important, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people about salvation and, and uh, they'll, they'll say, well, I hope so, you know, I, you know, I, I really... I really think that I am, and, and they have all these reasons and, and so forth. But, but listen, it's important to have the issue of, of your assurance of salvation settled. It's very important to have that. In other words, I don't see how anyone could serve a God in whom they do not fully trust. If I cannot trust, fully trust in God to take me to heaven when I die, I am not going to trust Him to, to follow to live my life. You see what I'm saying? But if I know that I'm saved, and I know that one day that the eastern sky is going to split, uh, and he's going he's to uh, take me home, then, then I'm, I'm going to be living for him, amen, the best that I can. And so someday, there, you, know, uh, you know, we know that's going to happen, but there are others that, that will say, well, preacher, I, you know, uh, there has to be some kind of accountability to keep us straight, and again, that always develops into a works-based philosophy. And, um, and, and again, I just want you to understand, when we start saying, well, now that I'm saved, I have to keep earning God's respect, earning God's love, I just want to tell you, that's out of the mind of man and not out of the mind of God. It might make logical sense to us tonight, 
But I'm just telling you, that's not how God does things. Listen, if there was any part of my making it to heaven based on me, if there was any part of me making it to heaven based on me, then Christ would not get all the glory, would he? And certainly I wouldn't be able to cast a crown at his feet. And that's why we can, because it's all uh, resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ. So if you're truly saved, you know, we live, and you understand what I mean, live the normal course of life. It doesn't mean we're always getting things right. But our normal course of life, we're living that the way we do because we are saved. I say again, because you are saved, not to stay saved. I am kept because there was a time God's grace allowed me to accept Him as, a, as, as my Savior and a believer, anybody that believes in Him, lays hold of eternal life over here and not over there. Eternal life begins the moment you are saved. Listen, if you didn't have eternal life the moment you're saved, then you don't have eternal life. And we'd have to really take a lot of the promises out of the Bible, wouldn't we? We just have to die and hope we wake up in glory. But God says uh, uh, that we may know that you have eternal life. Amen? So it's the power of God, not ourselves. Again, through that conduit of faith unto salvation, as we read there in verse 5. And just as sure as He will return, I want you to understand eternal life is a present possession and not just a future hope or a future stab in the dark. You know, if God the Son and God the Father have settled on something, just think about that. God the Father, God the Son have settled on something. Do you think there's any power that could undo that agreement? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But in John chapter 14, verse 20, uh, Jesus speaking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit coming to His disciples, He said this, At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye, that is you, in me, and I in you. You see, God the Father and God the Son has settled something in the matter of salvation. And Jesus says, you're in me and I in you. So you're part of that covenant between God the Father and God the Son. And listen, listen, when God the Father and God the Son have something settled, it is settled, amen? And salvation is settled. And you're a part of that. So when we get saved, you're a part of that agreement between, Father and, between the Father and the Son. When somebody gets saved, they become a, a temple, if you will. We've talked about this, of the Holy Ghost. We become a part of the body of Christ. That is, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Amen. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, just the Bible as the Bible uh, in the Old Testament said that He would, that day came some 2,000 years ago. And our sin debt was paid. You say, what do you mean my sin debt? I'm telling you, past, present, and future, all your sins have been paid in full. All your sin tonight. And we praise the Lord for that. So at the very moment of salvation, you are considered by God fit for heaven. <laughs> amen. You say, wow, I don't really understand that. Well, neither do I. I just know God says so. Amen. Saved from the penalty of sin. I know I carry on a lot, and I don't, well, I don't say carry on. And I understand we talked about justification and sanctification. Sanctification, you know, we're growing in the Lord. It's a process. But listen, what, what I want you guys to understand, I don't ever want to take away from this, because, listen, as far as God's concerned tonight, if you're saved, you're justified, sanctified, and glorified. <laughs> Man, that's how He sees you tonight. 
I tell you what, I wish somebody would have just shouted right there. That, 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 I mean, if that isn't shouting ground, I don't know what is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just, I hope, I hope we never get over that. But until that time of Christ's return, I mainly want you to understand that you're kept by God if you're saved tonight. So while we wait, we have the assurance of our salvation. Number two, as we wait for Christ's return, trials come. Amen. If you've been alive for any time at all, you know that. But look what the Bible says. We don't go off experience. We go off what God says. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a season. Amen. Though now for a season. If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now let's back up for a minute. Let's remember the context of this, this epistle. Remember I shared some things with you. Uh, it's been probably a month or so ago. Peter's writing to people that are under serious persecution right now. I mean, we're, we're talking about a time when people were losing their lives for being a Christian. Not, and it wasn't just mean people. The government, these things were sanctioned by a government to come and take all your property, take all that you had, and if you resist and keep on doing, they would kill you. But yet we find Peter encouraging them by letting them to know that, hey, listen, that you're saved. No one can ever take that away, and Jesus is coming back. So I don't know what you're going through tonight, but this applies to you, amen? And again, we see that there. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but, but again, it, it tells us that, that um, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season. We know that seasons start, but seasons end, right? So, hey, we know that there's an end to all this. You know, the Bible never teaches a life of no trials, amen? Certainly, there's a lot of things that come into our life, trials, if you will, because we're believers. And I don't know why. You know, people ask me all the time, Preacher, why would God do? You know, why would he? Hey, listen, God just allows certain things into the lives of certain people at certain times, and I don't know his reasoning. But I'm going to keep trusting him, amen? I'm going to keep loving him no matter what. And we see that little phrase in there in verse 6, if need be, this means if God allows it, it has a purpose. Amen? And we might not really understand what that purpose is. We might not ever really truly understand it till we get to glory someday, but we just know that it has a purpose. And by the way, that's why we should never judge someone who's going through a trial in their life. Amen? Amen. You know, sometimes we go, well, you know, they're, they're living their life. You know, if you knew how they lived, you know, well, that, you know, you reap what you sow. Certainly that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But hey, you're not God. You don't know why somebody's going through a trial. You need to be careful with that. Hey, how about just loving them and praying for them? Amen. A little bit of mercy and grace we talked about this morning. Amen. We need to be careful of those kinds of things. So God only knows if need be. God knows exactly what we need, when we need it. He even knows where we need it. Amen. So he's in control of all these things. Trials aren't pleasant, but trials are, I would say, even most needed. We have to have trials. Verse 7 again there, uh, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. We're talking about fiery trials. But fiery trials remove bad things uh, uh, that, you know, hey, listen, folks, you know, 
the Bible tells us we're, we're not to be of this world, but we're in it, right? And when you're in this world, you get the dirt of this world on you. That's why you need to be in church, amen, and, you know, be cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word, amen, and, and by other believers and those types of things. We're not talking about salvation. We're just talking about our fellowship with the Lord. And so sometimes there's fiery trials because we, have, we tend to accumulate things in our life. You know, we're not guarding our eye gate and our ear gate. And, you know, and, and uh, again, these things are totally up to God. I don't know, you know, I'll never point my finger and say that's what happened because, but I just know that it does happen because we have biblical examples that we can point and say. But I'm just trying to get you. We talked about the trying of, or the, uh, uh, the refining gold a couple of weeks ago. That dross needs to be removed, if you will, the slag from time to time. Now, I know it's difficult, but that's done through trials. The Bible calls them fiery trials. And these things are most needful in the Christian's life. That is, if you want to grow, amen. But the more these impurities are are removed and boiled out of our lives, the more Christ-like we become. Now, I don't know about you, but hey, what, what will benefit us and our families more than us being more Christ-like tonight? You know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing things in the name of family... In other words, they're, they're, they're not plugged into church. They're not serving the Lord because they're, they're doing things in the name of family. I'm just trying to get you to understand. If you want to do the very best you can for yourself and for your family and for those that you love, become more Christ-like. And God uses trials for that to happen. Amen. It's all through the Bible. And so again, we, that's what we're talking about, rejoicing in those. And certainly, I think we'd all understand it's important to become more and more Christ-like. You say, well, brother, you know, uh, yeah, I want to become Christ-like, but what good's it going to do me down here? <laughs> you know, and, hey, I understand. But we look there at the beginning of verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, he says, might be found. Um, and that's not what we might think it means, but it means unto, you know, unto what? In other words, we go back to the whole context here. He's talking about enduring trials. Enduring trials, that is. And, and enduring trials has a lot to do with waiting for the return of Christ. As we wait for the return of Christ, there will be trials, amen? But he's coming. As we wait for Christ, <clears throat> there will be trials that are preparing us for His return even. And for that, we can certainly praise Him. But uh, as verse uh, uh, 6 reveals, I go back to this, I got sidetracked there a little bit. But for a season, you know, and, and I know sometimes, you know, seasons are longer than others. Again, the, the timing, uh, the reasons, <clears throat> the people involved. All that is in the mind of God. We have no way of knowing. But I do know that our trials are for but a season. I mentioned that this morning. You know, um, Miss Dorothy, 101 years old. My grandchildren were amazed that they were talking to somebody that was 101 years old. You know, and we think, wow, that's a long time. It is a long time compared to what we know about time right now. 
But as I said this morning, if you're saved and you've been there 10,000 years, 100 years really isn't too long, is it? I'm just trying to get you to understand there's going to come a time in your existence when the trials that you're facing right now will just be a season. It'd just be a, it just, you know, uh, you see what I'm saying? Hey, listen, that, that trial you're going through does not de define your existence. That circumstance that you're in right now, as unpleasant as it, as it is, is not what you will endure uh, when you get to heaven someday. Amen? And all that's going to commence when Jesus Christ comes back. Boy, I hope you're saved tonight. Let, let me tell you something. If you're not saved tonight or you're playing games with God and you have some religion or whatever, but you can't, you, you know, you, well, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Hey, listen, uh, if you're not saved tonight and you leave this world, it only gets worse. Worse beyond anything you could ever imagine, amen? You've heard me say it before. We can't even imagine, fathom the beauties and glory of heaven. We have a Bible that gives us a word picture in some ways, but there's no way we can fathom transparent gold, right? There's no way we can fathom the beauty and splendor of even the throne of God. We have a lot of detail, but we can't fathom what that is. But I want to tell you something. To the same degree, we can't fathom the awfulness of hell tonight. We might have some ideas of what hell might be like, but I want to tell you something. It's far worse than we could ever imagine. Because if the greatest place in our existence could ever be is in the presence of God, the worst place of our existence could ever be would have to be out of the presence of God, you see. So I want you to understand that, that, that if, if you're going through a trial and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you say, can anything get worse? Yes, it can. It can get a lot worse. But if you're saved tonight, you might say, could it get worse? I don't know. It might even on this side of eternity, but I know it won't on the other side of eternity. It's just a season. It's just a season. Now, I know sometimes, you know... Uh, we're in the middle of a trial. I, I want you to I want to reassure you, not me, but God wants to reassure you tonight. It's not going to last forever. Amen. You say, boy, you know, I was talking to some of the men, prayer time and so forth, and and uh, I told the guys the other day, you know, when we get done praying that the last guy to pray needs to pray, we can all stand back up because it's questionable for some of us, right? You say, you know, boy, my old body, it just failing, you know, with each passing year. I'm just telling you, it won't last forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it won't last forever. Praise the Lord. You say, boy, you know, life just gets me down. Hey, this world, the way it's set up right now, it's not going to last forever either. Jesus is coming back. I hope that you're saved. His kingdom, I don't believe, is very far away at all. And for that, we can greatly rejoice tonight. No matter what you might be facing. We think about Christ appearing. Just think about that for a minute. Let me, let me ask you this. Is the literal, literal return of Christ real to you tonight? You know... Um, again, this is something I still don't think we can really fathom. And we understand that there's really, 
two parts to the return of Christ. The first part is that he comes and meets us in the air. That's the rapture. Then you have the seven years of tribulation. Then that second part of his second coming is when he does literally come and set his precious feet on planet earth once again on the Mount of Olives. So when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we're talking about the rapture of believers. We're also talking about his literal return, bodily return that is. And I just want to ask you again, is all that real to you tonight? Because I believe this, sometimes, and I'm guilty of it as well, that uh, we sometimes act like we don't believe that Jesus Christ is literally coming back, don't we? <laughs> you know. Um, I, I understand. I, I, I'm guilty. And I do believe there's probably more out there than we'd like to believe that um, for most, I don't, I don't believe they're looking for his return. You know, even so-called Christians. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, growing up in a pretty strict home, I think I've told you before that, you know, my mom, she could, she's a little bitty gal, but she could, she could get pretty rough when she needed to. But the enforcer was, was my dad. And uh, so we'd be getting in a little trouble during the day, and, and then finally it would come down. Now, when your dad gets home, he's going to know about this. Of course, little kids, you know, we're, we forget things. and So we'd forget all about it until we heard his truck coming up the hill. And then we'd look at each other and, you know, start, you know, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And, you know, cause, you know we, we knew we'd forgot about it, you know, but all of a sudden he's here, and uh, we would start crying. And, uh, and that's good, by the way. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying, saying that's, uh, that's bad. Um, but my point is, is that if, if we really believed that Jesus Christ is coming back someday, a lot of us, me included, we'd probably change our ways a little bit, wouldn't we? If we knew that Daddy was coming up the hill. Let me tell you something. Daddy is coming up the hill. Amen. And that's what I mean by I don't believe some people are really looking for his return. And again, just look at the average church on Sunday morning and, and you'll see what I mean. I believe there are some legitimate believers. They're, they're really saved, but sometimes we can even grow insensitive to the promise of Christ's return. You know, we go back to this epistle here. This is some... Uh, a great deal many decades after Christ's return, but still in the first century, I believe. And one of the great hallmarks of the first century church was looking for Christ's return. Imagine that. First century Christians were looking for the return of Christ. They talked about it all the time, even in the first century. And by the way, biblically speaking, there's nothing left for anything to happen for Christ to come back. Amen? And it's been that way for a long time. And what I'm saying is, is, is that if one of the great marks of the first century church was to look for Christ's return, and now we're 1,900 years after that, it certainly ought to be a mark of the church today. Amen? I mean, it's closer now than it's ever been, right? And they didn't have the opportunity of seeing things the way we do. And what I mean by that is we have a whole canon of Scripture at our fingertips. And so we know. Today we have a written word. We see things certainly biblically lining up for his return. There are things that have, 
that have happened and are happening now that certainly are setting the stage, if you will. Now, we don't want to take things that are going to happen in the tribulation period and put them now. I see a lot of that. But I'm just telling you, we do see things lining up. Amen? We do see things, as Paul told Timothy, are waxing worse and worse. Jesus could come back. But I, I just wonder sometimes, there's a lot of professing Christians that do not seem interested. They do not seem concerned that Jesus is coming back any moment. We got about 15 minutes left of this message, maybe even shorter. Jesus Christ could come back before this message is over. Now I'm going to say this out of the flesh, but I've been saying for years, when Jesus comes back, I hope he comes back on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. <laughs> Just think about it, you'll understand what I mean. <laughs> Amen. You say, preacher, you're meddling. All right, I'll, I'll move on. So expecting Christ's return, what I want you to get out of this little rant that I'm on is it helps us keep proper perspective. Amen. Some of us just need to straighten up. Amen. Amen. Me included. Living in anticipation, it keeps our hearts turned towards God. Now remember who Peter's writing to. These are people that were under tremendous tribulation. Most likely, I don't know your life, but most likely more than many of us, maybe all of us tonight have ever even imagined going through. And he's saying, look, Jesus is coming back. And we want to live our lives in anticipation of that. Again, let me ask you a question. If we knew that Christ was going to return tomorrow, He's going to be here tomorrow at 8 a.m. I wonder how many people we would need to go to and apologize to tonight. Hopefully none. I'm not saying you do. But, but you see what I'm saying? Um... Let me, let me ask you this. If, if we knew that Jesus Christ was going to return tomorrow at 8 a.m., how many would you go to and beg for him to get saved? Boy, I, you know, I know. I'd be getting in my truck right now and heading somewhere. Amen? And we probably all do. If we knew Jesus Christ was coming back at 8, 8 a.m. tomorrow, how much more precious would your family be to you tonight? You see, living in anticipation of the return of Christ, it, 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 it does something to you, doesn't it? And it should. Listen, as I said a while ago, it could happen before this service is over. I'm saying, you know, if you've got business and some fence mending to do, you need to take care of it. Because Jesus could come back at any moment, right? Understanding the truth of Christ's return certainly will help you endure the hardships of being, you know, a dedicated Christian even. I, I understand that. You know, the world doesn't mind mediocre Christianity. You know, the devil's not really concerned with most Christians today because you can't tell them apart from the world. But if you're trying to live for Jesus tonight and you're trying to bring your family you know, in and sometimes there's resistance to all that, listen, you're going to have, you're going to have trials. It's, there's, there's, there's hardships of being a dedicated Christian because the world hates a sold-out Christian. 
So if you want to get close to God tonight, just get ready. Trials are coming. But we can endure, again, as sold-out Christians because we know Christ is going to return. <laughs> Amen. I don't know. That's, that's exciting. And this is what Peter was doing here. He was uh, encouraging these persecuted Christians here that, hey, hold on, Jesus is coming back. So let's talk about this rapture. Let's go to one last place here. Uh, in your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 First, First Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Most of you may understand the context of that chapter as we look at the resurrection. We have a detailed account of the resurrection of believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, let's see here. Let's begin with verse 16. Actually, let's begin with verse 14. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again... Does anybody, everybody believe that tonight? It says, Even so them also which sleep, that means who, who have died, uh, in Jesus, save people that have died, uh, will God bring with Him. And he's talking about that second uh, advent of His second coming. In other words, that when He returns to, to earth. And then he begins to explain some things that will, will precede this. He says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What's that saying there? He's saying, okay, the dead in Christ will rise first. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, those that are alive, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen to that. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, what's that next word? Amen. Comfort one another with these words. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 Verse 1, it says at the end of that verse, he's talking about things that are better. And it says, Better is the day of death than the day of one's birth. For the natural man, that would sound kind of odd, wouldn't it? Solomon said, you know, it's better to die than to be born. What's the key to all this? Being right with God. You see, to be born physically, you're not right with God. You have to be saved. But if you're saved tonight, uh, and I've shared this with you as well, uh, 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 Dr. Tom Wallace, he, he would say this from time to time. Uh, it's not Wallace, I can't remember. But anyway, he would say, uh, he, would, he would say, and I, I imagine he was getting it from this verse, that the day of our death will be the greatest day of our life because we see Jesus. Amen. I mean, think about it. What tops that? <laughs> I mean, what, what is better than that? What is better to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord? Wherefore, those that are asleep, those loved ones that you love so dear that are in Christ, they're in the presence of God. The greatest day of their life happened the day they left this earth because they're with Jesus. You say, I don't like that. Well, you might need to be saved tonight then. 
Because if you're saved tonight, you understand, don't you? Amen? Amen. Hey, for the Christian, hey, does the Bible not say that death, hell, and the grave have been conquered? Amen. Let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 63. What a day that will be. Amen. Amen. And we'll just do our invitation with this song. And if God's speaking to your heart, you feel free to come on down here and do business with the Lord. And we'll sing these two verses. And then Brother Brad will have some music playing. He probably has the music to what a day that'll be. And uh, do you have that music for that, brother, by chance? You... All right. Amen. Amen. All right. You think I can sing it with the music? All right. Hey, hey, hey. All right.